This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And we have a true crime TV club today that is so packed, we can, we have to dispense with banter and chatter. We have to get really right just, into Christopher it. Christopher just thinks that we really are going to have to, there's a lot to get, so, lot to unpack. Lot here. to unpack. Very fluid situation. A lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. No, seriously though. Like, don't, Eric, don't start talking about your breakfast. Or you know that's going to happen, Christopher. It's like, just unavoidable. Well, let us get through. It's part of what people tune in for. Let us. I get... mean, it's called Christopher and Eric. You let know, it, like let... I'm actually here too. That's true, and I am too. But let us get through the mystery, and then you can weigh in about your breakfast and your the shoes you wore today. Or what I think really happened. Or what do you think really happened? Okay, so standard true crime TV club disclaimer: If it's your first time listening to us. What? You were going to say something? No, I was just waiting for you to tell them what show we're going to be talking about. intake of breath, I heard from your side of the table. Um, you do not have to watch this episode of television. In fact, the service that we provide is that we serve it up for you in such steaming detail. You will feel like you've watched it without wasting time on anything other than our podcast. And since we haven't told you what episode of what television show it is, you'd have no chance of watching it anyway. I like to warn them first so they don't run off and start watching it thinking like it's school and they're going to be tested. Uh, It is an episode of 2020, which is available to stream on Hulu and at abc.com. The episode title is Overboard. It is season 42, episode 14. I always love it when we do the mainstay true crime shows, and it's like season 612, episode 59. And spoiler alert, David Muir only is at the very beginning where he says, this is 2020, and then you never see him again. However. But he looks great doing it. However. My God, he looks great doing it. However, and speaking of looking great, the love of Eric's life, the man I call D.A. Daddy, <laughs> Matt Murphy, former prosecutor is from Orange County, back. is back. He's in a lot of these, but this is a not lot only of these. Not only does he now work for ABC, I think, as a consultant, this was actually a case that he worked on. So you're getting double daddy. You're getting right. double Meta D.A. Daddy. daddy. <laughs> So after that shallow intro, let's get right into it. Well, I'm glad we didn't waste a bunch of time. I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad we didn't. So um, I I suggested this one because I had heard like a thumbnail version of this case for years. This is a big Southern California case that was all over the news here. Uh, We're going to get right into it. Um, We're headed to Newport. Allegedly. I'm going to give a few more disclaimers (laughs) first. Uh, More about the rules. But first... I like rules. I like structure. Buy our books. Buy our books. Uh, maybe more of mine than Eric's. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Anyway, let's let's just get into it before we start fighting, okay? Newport Beach, California. Ever been? <laughs> <laughs> Ever been to Newport Beach? Yes, I have. Have you been? I have been, too. I think I auditioned people for... Um, 
putting on the hits? Okay, or? I'm sorry. We're out of time. I got to get back. To okay. <laughs> no. Uh, Newport Beach, California, the crown jewel of Orange County in many people's estimations. Uh, we're introduced to a man named- It was named... The Great Pretender. That was the name of the show, not okay. the Putting on the Hits. That's all the it time we have. It was a ripoff of Putting it on the Hits. <laughs> all right. We will come back to your Eric's Orange County <laughs> at the end of the episode. Tom Hawks, we are introduced to. We see him largely through uh, family video footage. Uh, he grew up on a California farm with his brother, Jim. He joined the military. He saw combat in Vietnam, which I misspelled in our show notes, Vietnam A. Is how I spelled it. <laughs> Apparently, I was typing too fast. It's a new fabric blend. He became a probation officer, and his brother Jim became a police officer and later a police chief. And apparently, they were the best paid pa- parole officer in the history of mankind. Or the, the version that the show offers up is that they actually never had much money, but they were very good at saving it because Orange County is a very expensive place to live if and you don't know Southern California. yachts are more expensive than anything you can possibly imagine. And I really, from the start of this story, was like, where did this money come from? Uh, that's a good question. So he gets married. He has two boys, Ryan and Matthew. He ends up raising them by himself after the divorce. Then later he meets a lovely woman named Jackie, and he marries her, and she really becomes the mother to his children. And they are described as having been hardworking and saving their money because Which they... was apparently just <laughs> pouring in from somewhere that can't possibly have been being a parole officer. But, but wait, okay, so they buy a boat... For $300,000. Now, if they don't have a house on land, which it sounded like they didn't, it's like buying a small house, right? That you have to fill a 500,000-gallon gas tank on and (laughs) pay for a a slip at a marina in Newport Beach. Yeah, that's true. For it to reside. But yeah, sure, it's a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, it was enormously. Like, there was a lot of money there. I don't know where it came from. And I don't know why then they needed to present them as being so homespun and humble. They didn't need that to make them likable. They seemed like very likable, solid people. I even had the impression that the boat was parked outside their oceanfront home. Oh, I didn't get that impression because I know how expensive those homes are. Yeah, I know. They did say they invested in some small properties, and in his 50s, he was able to retire. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. all of yeah. that is like, wow, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So the Good bo- for them. The boat is uh, $300,000, as we said. It's called the Well Deserved. It's a 55-foot trawler, and they also really fix it up, to get back to your point. They put in teak detailing. They update it with the latest GPS. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, from their frugal savings. <laughs> I just... (laughs) California people put together this whole special. I have to say, I'm still just about... Where is all of this money coming from? But okay. Um, 2020, if you don't know, has so... They don't do voiceover or narration. They they interview 600 people about the case. But I have to say, they edit it together really well that they keep it moving along. They present it in a coherent narrative. But for the note-taker for this podcast who writes down the name of every talking head, 2020 is a nightmare to do a transcription of. Yeah, I can see where that would be a lot of work. You know, I, I have to say, they do a good enough job that every time you point that out, I'm always surprised to hear it. It's like, yeah. there wasn't a narrator? Was like, it. I cannot believe that but that's amazing it almost makes me believe that they're sort they are sort of reading from a script or they're they're resident sort of talking head consultants who are laced all through the actual people from the case oh yeah they're reading yeah. absolutely they're because they're all 
on script. And then when they have regular people, they just say whatever the fuck they want to. So they are living on the boat. Their friend Trisha Schultz, or Schutz, I think is actually how you say it, um, is handling their finances for them while they're at sea. Um, this is 2000, so I don't know if they, I don't know if you now have internet capabilities when you're at sea in a way you didn't then. You didn't then, is the point. They were limited in how they could communicate with people when they were living in this way. And a lot. Ship to shore Wi Fi. Right? The radio room yeah. from the Titanic I is what that so. sounds like. Um, they're spending a lot of this time in Mexico, and then they get word. That their son, because their Tom's kids consider Jackie their mom, even though she's technically their stepmom, their son Matt is going to have a baby. And Jackie was involved in a motorcycle accident when she was 22, and as a result of that, she has not been able to have children. And so she was absolutely determined to be a grandmother to this young baby. And so their plan is now to sell the yacht and use the proceeds to move close to their grandbaby, which I think was Arizona, right? We're going to get into that. Also a confusing point because then that. they talked about they wanted to buy a house in Mexico. So yeah, I don't know. They were going. This, my notes say they were going to get a smaller boat and a small house in Mexico and right. then commute to see the baby in Arizona for their other house because they saved so, so much well. money that they could have multiple houses and live in multiple countries. They decide to sell the boat without a broker. And on November 12, 2004, they have apparently found a buyer. They take one last trip to Catalina Island. We're shown video footage that I guess is from... This got a little confusing because there are going to be a couple pivotal boat trips here. They take one last trip with their friends where right. they're doing a video camera. This is the last time we're going to be on this boat in Catalina Island. And, and I'm just going to tell you... This is maybe the third. Is this the third case that involves Catalina Island? We haven't covered the Natalie Wood case, but that is actually where Natalie Wood drowns. Like, I I'm afraid of boats in Catalina Island. That's all I'm going to say. Well, you know, boats and islands—they've—they're traditionally pretty hazardous. They are <laughs> a lot of shit. Um, England is an island. So, <laughs> right. Think of all the people who think of it, just Henry's the eight wives. Just, I know, just drop it like flies. Crazy boats and islands, man. It's like that old Barry Manilow song, "Boats and Islands." <laughs> boats and islands. Okay, um, so they are going to take. They're allegedly going to have a meeting with the buyer. There's going to be handover of the boat, and there's going to be something they call a sea trial, right? Where the the purchaser of the boat is going to go out, almost like a test drive, but for the boat, right? This is all supposedly unfolding, and then several days go by, or less than a d several days, a day goes by, and nobody can get a hold of Tom and Jackie, and their family realizes right away that's very strange. These people are always very easy to get in touch with. They're very connected to their family and friends. So they start a search, and they find the well-deserved, the yacht, uh, moored in the harbor. Parked right where it's supposed to be. But they don't find their car, which is a Honda which was, again, like, there's a lot of money, there's money for a boat, but they're driving a very modest, humble car, I thought. Mm. Um, I don't know. They, they go to the... <laughs> the, the, the I haven't bought a Honda recently, and this wasn't like... This wasn't a Civic. This was a... It was an SUV. Uh, an SUV. So, yeah. yeah, that might not be as modest as you think. Um, they, they go to the dinghy dock, the dinghy that they use to... To take the boat that they take to their other boat. Right. These... <laughs> These frugal savers. <laughs> These modest, uh, yes, humble, humble Newport yeah. uh, Beach residents. 
the it isn't properly tied up and the motor isn't down, which they say is not Tom's style. He would have taken care of both of those things. Also, I, I don't know if they show this later, but like Tom is incredibly healthy. He stayed incredibly fit. Oh, they show yeah. him working out at sea with weight sets and whatever. Because this is he a, doesn't want to get out of his fitness zone yeah. just because they're living at sea. And he'd come up with whole, yeah, he was really, he was repped. He was yeah. jacked. Yeah. The consistent, disciplined, and methodical, I think, describes these people. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's November 16th, 2004. I think the sea trial was supposed to be on November 12th. We're going to jump around with timelines. It's one of those things where they they will go back and fill in information as it Playing comes our way. With time, Playing so with to time, speak. time, so to speak. So the, the full story, which is being examined in more detail now that nobody can find them, is that Jackie had told people they had a buyer for the boat. They were supposed to take a sea trial. Um we know the trial, uh, or the trip, I should say, took place because they left a voicemail for a friend when they were at sea with the purchaser, and she said, uh, Jackie said she would get back to them when they were right. done. Never got back to her. No further word. Tom has mentioned to his friends that the buyer was a child actor, which seems like a weird detail. So Jim, his brother, the former police chief of Carlsbad, California, who is now in charge, you can tell right away that this stinks, that something's up here. He leaves a note on the boat asking to speak to the buyer of the boat. And he is contacted by a charming young woman named Jennifer DeLeon. She seems super sweet. And she says, yes, we absolutely bought the boat. Uh, uh, we bought it in cash, me and my husband, Skyler. And we don't know where Tom and Jackie are, but we would love to get in touch with them because we have some questions about operating the boat. And they did say something to us about how they were going to Mexico. So Jim, the brother, calls their friend Trisha, who is in charge of their finances when they're at sea. Right. And uh, Trisha says they, they didn't deposit any money from the sale of the boat, which is very unlike them. So, you know, she can see it all. She's got control of their accounts. So that's enough for Jim to file a missing persons report. And now we're at November 26, 2004. Tom and Jackie have been missing 11 days. And this, I think, is when the case lands on the desk of the Newport Beach PD. And they say right off that Jim, because he's an experienced law enforcement officer, had done all the initial legwork that they would do as detectives. So they were ready to hit the ground running. They knew this something's really wrong here. Right. This is a definite missing persons case. Um Detective Byington kind of becomes the lead detective on the case. He looks exactly like you would think an Orange County homicide detective would look like. He's no DA daddy, as it, Eric says as he nods. <laughs> I, I just am agreeing with yes. you. Christopher um, actually said that. I, I was said not it. speaking yeah. at the time. Uh, detective Byington uh, starts investigating the Dillions. I can't actually even remember what he looks like. Oh, he's blow-dried, sort of dark hair. Anyway, I don't mean to make this the most superficial assessment of what is going to be a very dark and disturbing story, but it's this is a very California story. Like everybody in it looked like well, they central all look cast in California. Yeah, they yeah. all look like they just come in from the pool. Um, so the detective zeroes in on the purchasers of the boat because, of course, you would. And he turns out it turns out that Skyler, the husband of the young woman who called Jim back, is a convicted felon and he's on probation. And he was convicted for armed burglary. He broke into a house with a weapon. Byington also sends a detective to the boat, which is apparently just sitting there and is kind of a mess. 
and he sees a receipt on the floor from Target, and the shopping list includes, and then we go to a commercial break, and it's like 20 minutes before we get back to <laughs> what was on the receipt. Did you notice that? <laughs> I was like, I was already like, write down what was on the receipt. And then it was like, oh my God. This is the thing that Cindy, Cindy Conforti just hates. And she hates. Oh my God. This was, this, and I think Cruise Ship Killers, which we did a few episodes ago, like, if you're watching it without commercials, they do the catch up when they come back from the little blip on yeah. your streaming device. And it's like, oh my God. I have become a master at watching Dateline on Peacock. And so streaming past where the commercials would have been and coming back when they've actually started talking about not the same thing they were just talking about. Mm-hmm. That's a real art. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and I'd like to take a moment to congratulate my co-host and producing partner, Christopher Rice. He's got not one, but four new books coming out in 2022. But today, I'd like to tell you about one in particular, a standalone thriller called Decimate. It's the terrifying story of what happens to our kitchen here at the studio when I asked Christopher to make the tea. Yeah, no. When I said improvise the promo, I didn't say you could make shit up. I am not making this up. Look at that kitchen. Okay. Hi, party people. Decimate is actually a thriller about telekinesis and near-death experiences. The page-turning tale of a woman who becomes convinced her brother is being held hostage by a supernatural force following his death in a fiery plane crash. It has nothing to do with tea or our kitchen, and you can pre-order it on Amazon now. And while it is spine-tingling and terrifying, it is nothing compared to what I'm going to have to order off of Amazon to clean up that kitchen. Will you shut up about tea and our kitchen? Oh, I never shut up about tea. And we are not going to do the post-commercial catch-up we were just bitching about before no, we went to our no, own No, just spots. buy our books. Buy our books. Um, Detective Byington of the Newport Beach PD is digging into Skyler DeLeon's background, and he's discovering not only is he a convicted felon, but his original name was actually John Julius Jacobson. Um, <laughs> Jingleheimer Smith. <laughs> His, uh, we meet his stepmother, Lisa Walden, who says she raised him and tells us in no uncertain terms that his father was a bad guy. And then we start to have interview roundhouse. Like, suddenly out of nowhere with no explanation, we're in a jailhouse interview with Skylar DeLeon. He is clearly in, like, an orange jumpsuit. Yeah. <laughs> it's years like- old. It's, it is, yeah. yeah. We're li- literally all over the place, yeah. His mom looks like part of the problem. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Let's be clear. Like, she had to um, to put all of the, um, the crack-making stuff in another room when the camera crew <laughs> came to the trailer right. to, uh, to record her. 
part of the, this particular production. And uh, yeah, and then Skyler's in jail, mm-hmm. and you're thinking, okay, well, this, this didn't end up well for anyone. This seems not to have gone like I. This is a real clue as to what direction this is headed. But throughout all of this, we're getting these visuals. Did they also do the thing of like Skyler was also like a failed extra on? That's when they're. This is what they're talking about. They're not commenting on the fact that we're seeing Skyler in jail. He, his father, who was abusive in a meth cook, wanted him to be an actor because what actor didn't start with an abusive meth cook father, really? Well, it worked out fine for um, Shia LaBeouf, Yeah, didn't absolutely. It? He made a whole movie about it, I think. I think um, so. So Skyler gets bits par- bit parts excuse me, in commercials, and he is an—I swear to God, when I first heard about this case, I, I thought it was actor in the Power Rangers series, but it turns out he was— He's an extra in the Power Rangers series, yeah, which that is was like, oh, okay, that yeah. changes the ten- tenor of this. But okay, then it was disappointing. I thought he was yeah. actually going to be a child star. A child star. Um, he could never remember his lines. His dad would yell at him abusively on set and be thrown off the set in the process. Um, Skyler claims his dad beat him up for being a weak kid, and to compensate, he joined the Marines. Uh, he gets a Force Recon tattoo. If you don't know what Just, Force Recon you is, almost laughed. Very good. Yeah, um, <laughs> he got to the Marines part, and the, your your face kind of went. Mm, <laughs> I don't know how much proof that is. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. There's a, Christopher's you know, dated a I've, lot I've of dated Marines. A lot of Marines. I didn't make a profession out of it, but it's like you know. I, it, it's just unavoidable. It's, it's just, just unavoidable. one of those things there's that happens a, when you lot. ask out a lot of Marines. <laughs> it's not true. It was all coincidental. I just, I'd find out afterwards once I read all the tattoos in bed. Um, anyway, we're really presented with this Force Recon tattoo that Ty- uh, Skyler gets, excuse me, as um, possibly not credible. Like, possibly he would. The Force Recon is the elite division of the Marine Corps, and. It's really hard to believe that Skyler, after everything we've seen just in this limited amount of time, or made anything it. we've seen, yeah, yeah, it was really like, really, wow, and the way they said it, mm-hmm. like it was presented like, and he said yeah, right. he was in the what you call it, wink, 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 wink nudge, wink. nudge, yeah, it was. It was not, there wasn't a lot of credibility given to Skyler's character or his stories about his character. So, but who's this young woman that he's married to? The one who called Brother Jim back about the boat and was so sweet and accommodating. Her name is Jennifer Henderson, or her maiden name was Jennifer Henderson. And she is described as having grown up with loving religious parents who we never meet or see interviewed, which is a huge red flag. Always the source of great kids is, you know, aren't the Duggars loving religious parents? (laughs) I swear, when people present that. Just went to jail for what? Yeah. Child porn and child molestation. I think and so. I don't know what yeah. all, but yeah. Totally. Yeah, it worked out great, that loving uh, Absolutely. religious Absolutely. upbringing. Yeah. Uh huh. She meets Skylar online and they meet in real life at a shopping mall because those still existed then. And they go to the movies and spend the day together. We start to see her from an interview, but she's not in jail. Shopping malls still exist. Yeah, not really. They're turning into like ghost towns. How long has it been since you were at a shopping mall, Christopher? The Beverly Center doesn't count, and I'm uncomfortable with this line. And of the Century City doesn't count. <laughs> Century and, is o- City is open air. And that and the the mall at, at Santa Monica that isn't counted. No, all. no, Third Street Promenade is not, is an out. It's just a street with shops. <laughs> <laughs> and and musicians and it used to have a psychic cat. Did you ever see the psychic cat at the Third Street Promenade? How did I not get taken to see the psychic cat? I don't know. The psychic cat I don't think has been around for years, but it was a cat that would reach into Did he see that coming? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he got the hell out of there. Yeah, barely. He saw 2020 coming, and he's like, oh, fuck this. I'm going to go live under a bridge. No, he could. He would dip his paws into a little bowl of, of fortunes, and he would hand you a fortune. It was so cute. He was the psychic cat. He would hand you yeah, a fortune? Yeah, he, he literally, he was trained to, like, he would put his paws in <laughs> And he'd hand you the fortune. You're gonna have to look up that YouTube video. <laughs> you don't believe me. You think I'm misremembering? No, I want to see that. They also had a skateboarding bulldog. Did he have tape on his paws to pick up the? I don't know. I think they injected like, him with no, meth. No thumbs. I think so he had a lot of stuff up. Is kind of challenging. For... He was psychic meth cat. He's in rehab now. Um, skateboarding bulldog was also a thing. But the point is, it's not a shopping mall. It's okay. just a gathering so place. For... Even the part that's a shopping mall, that's not a shopping mall either. I just... They're I, at the end. I, I don't... I don't... I'm uncomfortable with this line of questions. Apparently. I think the shopping mall... So they met for uh, lunch at the non-existent shopping mall. This is like the least mall. significant part of this whole story, Well, it was just you saying, this is they don't exist because they still existed. Then I was like... Shopping malls still exist. They're going out of business right and left. In in the in the um in the middle of the country, they're abandoned, and these kids will go in there and urban explore. Oh, I'm sorry, you're an expert on the middle of the I country. I am because I go on YouTube. That's how I learn about what places where I don't live. I see. I know all about the Columbia River Gorge because of YouTube. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Anyway, we're getting distracted, and this is one of our biggest stories yet. Big, big, huge, huge babe, huge. Um. So Jennifer's mother, who we again never meet, which is a huge red flag. Because she's so religious, she doesn't believe in looking like shit on television. Um, She says they got pregnant on their wedding night. Uh, They have a little girl named Haley. They're $90,000 in debt and living in a garage next to Jennifer's parents that has no kitchen or bathroom. And that's really the most salient detail you need to know about Jennifer and Skylar in this particular moment of this special. So these are the people buying the yacht. They're living in her parents' garage. And they're buying a $300,000 55-foot trawler. And now, finally, we're back to that Target receipt. Remember the Target receipt that Detective Byington, this guy or his lieutenant or whatever, saw? It's for trash bags, tums, and bleach. And in the detective's words, that's a kill kit. Now, I was uh, not the Tums. No, I was, I was where I was like, what did the Tums have I thought to do maybe with it was like with Mentos and, di- and diet that's soda. That's right. Exactly. That if you put the Tums in the bleach, that it would explode. Right. Do something. I was like, no, that wasn't it. It was no, no they were like, the, you could put the bodies in the bags and clean up with the bleach. And then, if you're a person with any sort of moral character and had an upset stomach, you could take some tums. And I was like, yeah, that's not really a kill kit. That's then. not really a kill kit. You know, I don't know. Anyway, so sounds like a cleanup kit to me. So, uh, note to file potential criminals who might be listening and planning to shop at Target. Stick to Mentos and Diet Soda. No, Target takes a picture of all their customers when they make their purchase and when they leave the store. Oh, that is. That's good to know. It's also kind of alarming when you think of how we've all wound up looking at the checkout and leaving the store at Target. Cannot walk past a drugstore surveillance camera without asking myself, is this going to be the last footage anyone ever sees I of me? I know. <laughs> it's like, because you see that so many times on these specials. Here it is. Here's Here it the is. last picture. Or take money out of an ATM. Yes. Oh, God. Or even walk down past somebody's ring camera in the hall in your building. Yeah, it's really, is this the last shot of me? So, when they check the camera footage, it turns out 
The buyer is neither Skylar nor Jennifer. It is someone they describe as an obese older man, which I thought was a little editorial of them. Judgy. Um, it's Jennifer's father, Steve Henderson. But they do the same thing with him that they did with the receipt. They wrap and go to commercial. And yes. then when they come back, the first thing that they report isn't that it was Jennifer's father, because I thought it was going to be Skylar's father. Yes, absolutely. And so I was waiting for that to be the reveal, and it was a while we had to wait, and it turns out it was Jennifer's. So they find him, and they say, is this you? And he says, yeah, it was absolutely me. My daughter asked me to go buy that stuff so they could clean their new boat. Dun, dun, dun. And so, Dad, could you run to the drugstore and get me these bomb-making materials? Well, yeah, yeah, sure, honey. But also, like, we'll get to this in a, like, asking your, okay, oh, my God. Okay, so he's, the detectives say, where are they? And this was another moment of the answer. The father's answer is they're volunteering at a church down the street, to which the detective is like, oh, they must be good people then. It's like, I'm sorry, have you never arrested a criminal that went to fucking church? Like, volunteering at a church is automatically an, an innocence pledge to you? Like, give me a break. Um, but that they're there. And he finds them there. Right. He finds her, in his own words, specific and genuine. And he says, she says, yeah, that's the story. We needed to clean the boat. Um, Skyler says, all the paperwork from the sale is in order. And here it is. It's all notarized. Proof of sale. Jackie Signed, and Tom's signature. Witnesses. Yeah, witnesses. It's all there. And so the detectives are like, fuck, man. They bring Skyler in for an interview. At this point, it's November 30th, 2004, so we're 15 days out from the disappearance. The interview is recorded. We see it. Um, Detective Byington says he finds Skyler forthright and interested in finding the Hawks. Um, he says he saw the ad for the boat in Sport Fishing Magazine. So they get around to, like, how did you have half a million dollars to spend on this boat? And he says, well, I'm laundering the money from a previous crime. He just says it, like, right out. Yeah, he, well, he says, if you've looked at my background, you already know that there, I have a criminal history, and so I'm not going to bother to lie to you because, you know, I don't, I don't want to get caught, up late, caught out later. So, yeah. you know, he just says, I'm, the, yeah, I've the, the crimes that I got busted for committing, there was money involved, and this is me laundering that money out. And it was like, oh, Wow. Uh, yeah. And who would lie about that? Which is, I think, kind of the strategy. So the transaction that he describes alleges, allegedly it occurred on the 15th Street dock in Newport Beach. Uh, Skyler says he brought a briefcase full of $100 bills and stacks. And the detective says, right off, that sounded fishy because if it was truly the guy, he says it was from a drug deal, the money he's trying yeah. to launder. The money would be a mess. Nobody would have—he describes money that you would have gotten at a bank, which this money, this yeah, alleged to money— To be didn't come bundled in little packets with wrappers, yeah. he said. That just didn't happen. Um, Skyler claims they exchanged the keys to the boat, and then the couple drove off in their Honda, which has still not been found. There's no sign of the Honda. So the detectives surprised them, and us, by the way, because there's been no suggestion of this before now— well, we have video of you, Jennifer and Skyler, in a bank in Arizona trying to take money out of the Hawks' account. and Because one of the things that the Hawks had apparently signed was a durable power of attorney, power which is why would they want you to sign a power of attorney? Why would they want to give you power of attorney if they were, you know, like, that's not part of a boat sale. 
And Skyler says... Skyler says they wanted to buy a house in Mexico, and it's very challenging for non-Mexican citizens who've not established any kind of residency to do a real estate transaction there, but I, Skyler, have connections in the area. And I'm a dual citizen. And I'm a dual citizen, and so I was volunteering <laughs> to set them up. And so they gave me this power of attorney so that I could do this real estate transaction on their behalf. I think also, to flashback, the reason they got the Arizona bank footage is because, remember their friend Tricia, who was in charge of their... Um, Offshore banking activities. Yes. She got a notification that they were... The, first of all, and credit to the bank, the bank in Arizona did not... They said, oh, hell no, I'm not giving they, you their money. I mean, and they looked at the power of attorney, which was legal, and they still said, no, we need to check this out. And they notified Trisha, and that's how the um, police— I'm sorry, did, are we bothering you, Eric Shaquin? You're yeah, digging— I need a mint. There are no mints on this table. Oh, my God. My throat is scratchy, and I need a mint. Where there are the fucking no mints? no mints. Look we on that table behind talk you. To somebody who works here. <laughs> Eric. Yes, Christopher? Are you sick of doing promos for my new books yet? That depends. Are we at the beach? Yes, we're at Sapphire Cove, the fictional Southern California resort featured in my new gay romance series coming in 2022. This is alarming. When did we go outside? You were transported by the powerful prose of C. Travis Rice. That's my new pen name devoted to steamy and emotional tales of romance between men. Yeah, no, that's not it. I was about to eat a sandwich in the studio, and now I'm being harassed by seagulls. Brandon, get rid of the seagulls, please. Oh, that's much better. Now I have to pee. First, pre-order your copy of Sapphire Sunset, the first installment in the Sapphire Cove series, which goes on sale March 1st, 2022, from Blue Box Press. When a new member of the resort security department falls hard for the nephew of the wealthy family that owns the place, sparks fly, and sexy scandal ensues at Sapphire Cove. Uh, yeah, could you pre-order that for me? I'm going to run to the little podcaster's room. Brandon! Come get this seagull! I can't help oh, it if my writing I, sets the I, scene. I know what I'm going to set if someone doesn't come get this seagull. Where'd you get that sandwich? Sapphire Sunset, the first book in the Sapphire Cove series from C. Travis Rice. Now available for pre-order. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? <laughs> And I found the mint. Found your mints. Mint found. Thank heaven. Jesus Christ. Was the mint crisis? You can't go without your mints. I get it. It's like me with porn. I get scratchy. (laughs) Wow. I'm watching it right now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't see what's on his iPad, so that could be true. (laughs) Not Um, watching porn. But he might be. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I just get scratchy throat sometimes. I understand. I understand. We found your mints. And, um, and I usually do um, Hall's throat lozenges. Did we invent a new word there, hugely? I usually. I usually do. Okay. A, uh, Hall's throat lozenge, but that's too much on Mike. Ah, yes, indeed. Well, it's, it's important that we personalize the podcast with these awkward Mike moments. Mike who is the right response, Christopher. Mike who? <laughs> da, 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 da. We did. Right. Don't call me Shirley this, earlier. This you is... should have been there. It was great. Okay. So the bank wouldn't give them the money, and Which Teresa is... reported it to everybody, and it's now the everybody. police know, and Skylar has this kind of fishy but somehow plausible explanation for why he has durable power of attorney. So- at this big transaction that supposedly happened at the 15th Street dock, the money's handed over. Skyler claims his wife, Jennifer, was present, along with the notary. Um, and along there was a witness named Alonzo McCain. Or McCain. Um, he's listed as a witness on the bill of sale itself. And Skyler claims he's a friend from Mexico. Well, it turns out Alonzo was actually a guard in the jail where Skyler was doing time in prison. And Skyler was on work release, so he and Alonzo became friends and started hanging out together. After, while he was, like, on release. While he was still in prison. Yeah, while he was like still in prison. Like, palling around with one of the guards, which is like, huh, friends, huh? Alonzo is interviewed. He confirms the story. They find Kathleen Harris, the notary who signed the documents, whose signature's there. She tells the same story. And she's an upstanding citizen with yeah. a blemishless record, and, you know, she's a, a professional, and so no reason to doubt her word. So the investigators hit a dead end. They don't know what to do. And so in the words of Caitlin Rother, who was an author interviewed who wrote one of the books on the case— um, they do what they never want to do, which is they go to the media. So on December 13th, 2004, they appear on Good Morning America. No small media outlet, right? A national morning show. <laughs> the daytime version of 2020, the show yeah. on which we are watching this. Absolutely. Their focus is finding the Honda, finding the car that is still unaccounted for. And I mean the next day. Uh, we should say that their son, Ryan, who has become the spokesperson for the family and is the kind of guy you want to be a spokesperson. The camera yes. loves him. Um, and he's very well-spoken. Very well-spoken, very telegenic. Uh, the next day, the police get a call from an American woman living in Mexico in a trailer park who says, I'm looking at the Honda right now. She snaps a photo of it and sends it to them. And sure enough, it's the car. On December 16th, 2004 now, the de uh, detectives reach Ensenada, Mexico. The Mexican authorities knock on the door of the house where the car is parked. The owner says, yeah, it's not my car. The owner of the house says, the car belongs to a friend of mine. And the detective says, oh, Tom and Jackie Hawks? And the owner of the house says, no, Skylar de Leon. And the curtain falls. And that's when the detectives realize Skylar murdered these people. Jennifer is also described as having been present there when the car was left. Right. Right. The detectives bring Skylar back in for an interview, and he brings his baby with him. Which I'm going to do from now on. 
You don't Whenever. have a baby. Well, then I'll just get one. Somebody's. <laughs> I know people with babies. Can I borrow your baby for the afternoon? I got to go be interviewed by the police. I have a police interrogation. Right. I just think it's a great strategy. Just show up with a baby. Like, what are they going to say? Like, yeah. could you leave your baby in the lobby? Nobody can say that. It just really wrecks the interview. I think he was really pretty skillful at subterfuge. Yeah. And as the, we will find out. The baby manages to throw up right at the most uncomfortable moment of the interview, and then he has to, like, get himself cleaned up. It like breaks up the line of questions. Yeah, Um, but so they arrest him. Like in the end, the baby didn't keep him from being arrested. No, well, he still murdered those people. So yeah, yeah, there's only so much you can do with a baby, right? Um, (laughs) So, but you, on the other hand, will be able to use a baby to get out of because you don't murder people. So that's right. And I might be able to get out of the country as long as I can hang on to that kid. Yeah. So they they get a warrant for the garage apartment where Jennifer and Skyler live, and it turns out to be a treasure trove of evidence. It's a garage where they live. <laughs> it's not a garage. That's right. They live in the garage. It's different. You're you right. You call it an apartment, but it is not a garage apartment. It's just a garage. It's a garage that's been turned into um, a living area. Yeah, it's a garage with a hot plate. Right. It's a garage. Um, they find, and this is, I mean, there are a lot of chilling details to come, but this one was just the first creep fest. They find Tom and Jackie's video camera with footage of Tom and Jackie on it, and then it cuts to footage of Skylar and Jennifer. They just began using it as their video camera without even changing the tape. Thanksgiving that year, so within weeks of having somehow gotten a hold of Tom and Jackie's camera. Yeah. So it's even on the same tape with footage of John. They just, which I thought was very considerate. They didn't erase. They didn't record over their videos. They kept them. But just after them, they began recording video of, yeah. I, it was either the gang who, they, they do stuff that's brilliant and they do stuff that's like, my God, how stupid are you people? Anyway. They also find a business card for an LAPD police detective who acted as a liaison officer to the Mexican police. And they're like, why is this here? Who is this guy? His name hasn't been mentioned in connection with the case before. Right. And that's when they hear about it. And this is when even this supersized 2020 at an hour and a half had to do some condensation because there was clearly more to this side of the story, but they learned that there was a murder in Mexico. There was a whole other case. Yeah, there was a whole other case. A man named John Jarvie was found with his throat slit in November of 03, so almost entirely a year before. Uh, he turned out to be a petty counterfeiter whom Skyler had met while they were both serving time in jail. Skyler had allegedly told him he was from a wealthy family and had big-time investments, and he's got this big score down in Mexico, and all he needs from John is $50,000 in cash. So... Jarvie agrees to go. Skyler takes him down there to get his money and slits his throat and then returns to jail. And leaves his body by the side of the road and goes back to his work release program. Because he's in work release, okay? Um, Mexican police suspected him of the murder. They interviewed him, but they didn't have anything on him. So it's still an open case, which is why the the liaison officer's card was there. I guess he wanted to know who was probably coming for him at some point. In the midst of all this, the Newport Beach detectives have got the notary in their sights. All right, they're like, something stinks about the notarization of these forms. And she's got no criminal background. She's she's sticking to her story. Uh, they interview her four or five times. She's not slipping on any of the and details. one of the police officers thinks, yeah, this is a credible witness. Yeah. And the other one says... 
this is not, you should let somebody else talk to her. you got a crush on this dame. Right. You, you're falling for her nonsense. I don't believe a word out of her mouth. And right. so they trade places. And he just yells at her. I mean, he just lays into her. To her credit, she holds her ground yeah. and sticks to her story. But. Yeah. She makes a mistake. She says, I'm 90% sure it happened as I said it did. And he goes, why isn't it 100%? Right. What's the 10%? And it's over. And she leaves, and then she they get a call from her attorney, and she's willing to make a statement. My client would like to uh, explain the situation to you with counsel present. So, the story is that she wasn't there, right? <laughs> Which is not even 15%, no. let alone 90 Right. And she signed the documents after the fact. She notarized the documents after the fact. Right. She didn't witness anything. She postdated everything, and so it's all, so it can, the entire thing didn't happen. So the only other person that they need to talk to then is Alonzo Machain, the witness, the witness, and he turns out to be the weak link. I mean, yeah, like a screen door on a <laughs> on a submarine. So. Uh, he turns himself in, and he takes them through the entire conspiracy, detail by detail. Skyler worked uh, Alonzo I mean. the same way he worked Jarvie. He told him he was rich. Only with Alonzo, he said, I'm an international hitman who will only kill bad people. And I take them out to sea, and I toss them overboard. And he promises Alonzo a million bucks if he will kill Tom and Jackie Hawks. So this is apparently how it went down. Okay, November 6, 2004. We're nine days before the disappearance, which we're fast learning is a murder. It turns out that uh, Skyler makes contact with Tom Hawks, and Tom Hawks is immediately suspicious of this guy. Uh, Skyler and Alonzo both together make contact with the Hawks. Tom is suspicious because he's thinking, how do these guys have the cash? They're young. They seem liberty-jibbity, and it's kind of sketchy. Um, so they bring Jennifer <laughs> and Power down. Rangers wasn't that big a hit. <laughs> He's just an extra. He wasn't, yeah. They bring Jennifer down with the baby in order to charm Jackie, right? Jackie, who can't have children and has always loved kids and wanted to be a grandmother to her new yeah, grandson. Yeah, they use that baby again, just like he did at the, um, the whatchamacallit, in comes the baby and everybody's mood changes. Yeah, and D.A. Daddy as Eric likes to call him, Matt, our friend Matt Murphy. From Matt-a-daddy. Matt-a-daddy says this was the linchpin of the whole thing. They melted Jackie's heart, and that is how they earned her trust. Um, Skyler realizes right away from looking at Tom that he's too big to overpower on his own, so he needs help in the form of a large man. And I mean, he found one. And the man's name was literally John F. Kennedy. Fitzgerald. Including the middle uh, name, yeah. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. It turns out John Fitzgerald Kennedy was a founding member of the Long Beach Insane Crips. As opposed to just the regular ones I who guess, seemed terrifying yeah. enough. So Tom and Jackie head out to sea with this entire crew. And I'm thinking, baby or no baby, I'm not going I out to sea. I cannot s- believe oh they got God. on a boat with these people. This guy was a parole officer and law enforcement. And like, yeah. I just, I don't know how. I don't know how they got it together. They like, but he, the, Skyler is a fast talker. Skyler has Skyler's a con artist. Everybody, yeah. every step of the way, and yeah. so I guess that was the 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 link because they did it. They went out to see with those with this 
kind of unusual group of people. The wife is not there. The baby is not there. Jennifer it's, and the baby are not there. Yeah, right, yeah. It's the giant guy, um, Skyler, and his sketchy friend. Like, And they got on a boat with them and went out to sea. And, and I don't know if there was a conversation or a debate, and I don't know if Jackie said, oh, honey, come on, let's just do it. We'll get the boat sold or whatever. You know, you never know what goes I don't know if they got decisions. on the boat with a gun and said, get on board or we'll shoot you. I don't know what happened. That's true, because the story that we're told, and this is all coming from Alonzo, is they leave Newport Harbor together. They set a course for Catalina, which this seems like a long sea trial. I don't know how long a sea trial goes, but whatever. Uh, Skyler and Kennedy go downstairs with Tom, and from the kitchen, Jackie hears a ruckus, and Alonzo, I think, is closer to Jackie. Downstairs, those two men overpower Tom, and Alonzo's job is to subdue Jackie, which he's, by his own description, able to do quite easily. They put them together, bound on the bed. Jackie is begging for her life. She starts screaming at Skyler, why are you doing this to us? We trusted you. Um, in a, a touching detail, Tom starts stroking Jackie's head and tells her to calm down and don't worry, sweetheart, where we're going, we're going to be together. So Tom is pretty resigned to the fact that they're not going to survive this. Yeah, so, that, wisely so. They bring them upstairs to make them sign the documents, and they say, if you sign these, we will let you go. So Jackie signs her signature, and we've gone the whole special without them revealing this detail. Jackie deliberately puts an error in her signature. She, I think she added an S on the end of her name. She left the S she off the, the S end off. of her, her name. She Which, signed her name incorrectly. Yeah. Um, so in the words of D.A. Daddy, the, um, she knows she's going to be killed, but she's sending up a flare for her future so that they would know that, yeah, that she was killed. That there was something suspicious. Because yeah. they, morons, that like smart and then stupid, they added an S to her name, which doesn't match the way that she signs her name. And so, yeah. it's you know, it's a red flag. He take this is the part that's like, Jesus. This, I just, the most horrible. This, this is, is hideous. Skylar takes them out to a spot where he knows the ocean is 3,500 feet dip, deep and handcuffs them to the anchor. Tom fights. He kicks backwards and hits Skyler so hard that Skyler almost falls over. Instead, he stands up, and he tosses the anchor over the boat um, while they're still alive. Jackie's head hits the side. They both go out the open door, and they're just plunging into the sea, tied to the anchor. And they're alive when they hit the water. Right. And by Alonzo's description, Skyler sits at the edge of the boat and watches the water and watches the water to make sure it's still. And then he lets out a war whoop. Psychopath. I just like. Just really. And on the way back to the harbor, John F. Kennedy decides to fish off the back of the boat with a rod that he finds on the boat. So, that's one of the most disturbing ones. I, there's something about that. I mean, we've done serial killer stories, and we've done a lot of horrible, grotesque stories. It's just stories, such but a heartless... Yeah. The, the anchor thing, particularly with the man not being still conscious and not dead. Yeah, like that's hideous. Straight to the bottom of the sea, tied to an anchor. That's yeah. pirate shit. It was, yeah. it was... That was brutal, and unnecessarily so. 
So anyway, the so, big surprise still is yet to come. Jennifer sticks by her man. She says, uh, you know, I, I don't know about all this. That, or I knew, she says she heard about the murder when they got back to shore, I think is her cover story. And the Newport uh, police are very divided over whether or not that she's involved. They give her an offer of immunity. They say, we will literally give you a get-out-of-jail-free card if you tell us everything that happened. And she turns it down, which is the dumbest move of her fucking life. Because yeah. guess what? She could have gotten away with a lot. Skyler called her, like, every few minutes during the she commission of the murder. running the show. She was running the show. She wanted out of that garage because it was, as Eric said, it was not a garage apartment. It, it was, was a garage. just a garage. Um... And uh, so, but the irony of all of this is that before Jennifer and so Skyler- So another lovely young woman with a religious background. I know, right? Just very Christian, very Christian. Before these two met, they hadn't committed any crimes together that were known about. Like the, the nature of their relationship is probably what those books are both about. Like that would be my guess. These are like, some twisty because the stuff starts to come out. She is this bossy- yeah. Alpha bitch. Right. She is really. She is not the the pretty little shrinking violet that she has pretended to be. And he, on the other hand, is a complete collection of surprises. Indeed. So, uh, two days after the TV interview that we saw her give earlier in the special, she's arrested. Her attorney asks for her to be tried separately, and her trial actually begins before his does. Uh, she claimed she didn't know what his husband was planning, blah, 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 blah. She learned of the murder after. But as we said, she was clearly in charge, given the cell phone calls and given what we're also learning about Skyler. Um, uh, her defense that she was terrified of her husband starts to fall apart when you look at the video from the Arizona bank as they're trying to withdraw the money, and she's like... Giddy, like Party. laughing. Woohoo, we're going to get all this money. And uh, she is convicted of murder and gets life without possibility of parole. The trials were really condensed, I thought, in this special. Because this is, once we got them, we got them. This yeah. was open and shut. And because Alonzo ratted them completely out. Completely, yeah. Like Alonzo told them that they that he she was running the show. Alonzo told them how they did the murder. Alonzo told them everything. Yeah. And apparently he told him things that were verifiable with evidence. I mean, that's the yeah. thing. If somebody gives you an account and you can't really back it up with anything, then their credibility Jackie's is Jackie's blood line. was on the side of the ship where she right. hit her head when the anchor yeah. took him through the little opening of the side. Yeah. Like, everything he said checked out. So now it's time for Skyler's trial, which happens a year later. And the story that's shaping up around Skyler is that his motive for doing all of this was not just to get out of the garage. He wanted gender reassignment surgery. And um, when he is confined to jail awaiting trial, he attempts to castrate himself with a sheet. And they um, get to him in time, by his own estimation, non-medical estimation. They intervene and give him medical assistance. That is when he sits for the jailhouse TV interview that we have seen clips of earlier in this special, okay? Um, when the trial begins... His defense attorney gets up and basically says, Skyler is guilty of everything. <laughs> and they interview his defense attorney, Gary Paulson. He says, there was no way. There was no way yeah. I was going to get him off. Okay, so The only thing they were going to be able to plead for was his life. So um, the defense is he was badly abused at the hands of his father. We go back to that stepmother's interview. And it really does sound like it was a, it was a pretty bad set of circumstances, physically and sexually abused all through his childhood by his father. To 
to get him to stop biting his fingernails, he put toothpicks in between his fingers and his nails. Like it was like yeah, yeah, They're like grotesque. torture, torture. A father's friend sexually abused him. Um, but Da Daddy is saying Skyler is also the, one of the best liars that he's ever seen. Right. Uh, he told people he was a Marine but sniper. But you can see how that would be, pretending to be somebody he's not, trying to keep up his own mm-hmm. gender identity in the face of his father's apparently brutal assault on it. And and yeah. and then every trying to stay alive in that environment as a child. I He had become this, he'd been made into the psychopath that he turned out to be. He's just a, an incredibly proficient liar. Um, he, and he's charming. He is charming. He is demure. Yeah, he is. He's you know, petite. He's, he's a petite. tiny little thing. Um, he is sentenced to death, but Governor Newsom abolished the death penalty in California. So now he's got life in prison. And while he is in prison, he has officially transitioned. He has been given gender reassignment surgery, and he is legally. Uh, she has legally has he, changed her name to Skyler. I didn't Skyler. know if he had the, the, the confirmation surgery or not, but I, he, he definitely transitioned. He, maybe there were, maybe that's. Hasn't I didn't have yet. the impression that he that he'd had confirmation surgery, but the detective but he definitely was like getting the hormones and and had changed his identity. Legally changed uh, her name to Skyler Precioso de Leon. Um, the detectives, of course, believe this is an act and that Skyler is taking advantage of the system to get the surgery and that anyway that was one of those moments where it was like I don't are are these issues being adequately addressed by these commentators because I think if he's anyway I don't mean to misgender they allowed him to say that he you know like they allowed the the police officer to say that he thought they should have put him to death that he felt like he said he's you know he's got shelter in three squares and whatever and like and that's never going to happen for Jackie and Tom yeah and Alonzo gets 20 years for his cooperation Okay, so that's the whole thing. I think we're going to go over time a little bit here because, like, I want to hear about the story Eric heard that they weren't telling because that's always my favorite. Although I think we've done a pretty good job of covering it. I mean, like, I just – it really was, like, like I didn't believe in the relationship between Alonzo and Skylar as portrayed – Oh, you think it was a romantic oh, relationship? Yeah. yeah. I think there was something definitely going on between the two of them. I didn't believe in the relationship between Jennifer and Skylar as mm-hmm. it was portrayed. And I didn't believe in, like, I even had questions about whose kid is that. Mm-hmm. Um, that just seemed, hmm, like, it could be. But, yeah. like, it just, there was aspects of this that seemed like, those sides of things were not being very fully addressed. We right. Were, we were presented and we kind of accepted things on, on face value. And then the, um, you know, the ultimate was like somebody was taught to be a liar from a childhood and yeah. became really incredibly good at it. And then like one of the things that was revealed was that he wasn't, that he wasn't a Marine, that he was, he joined the Marines for a couple of weeks and then couple washed weeks, out. Right. Yeah. Like there was no force recon. Like a lot of those things were very sort of, you know, kind of reported, but not really very deeply reported. I think there was a lot more to his story than, and those books, as you say, probably mm-hmm. do delve more into it. But I thought that it was a kind of surface presentation of, yeah. 
who he was and how he got there. Uh, None of it justifies anything that he did, but it was was like, hmm, there's more here. mm -hmm. This is a deeper subject. This was one of the only specials I've ever watched where I've thought this could be a series. Like, I wish this was actually multiple episodes because I felt there was so much here. And I feel like there still is. Yeah, totally. I just feel like there's a lot that isn't like... The amount of information that we actually got about her is almost non-existent. Uh, which her, Jennifer? Jennifer. Yeah, totally. The 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 wife. I yeah. I don't know anything about her, like or her family or her upbringing or like how does she get to be this person? Yeah. How does she go from being newlywed um, beauty salon owner to Bonnie Parker? Yeah. Bonnie Parker was yeah, it? That's right. Yeah, Bonnie Parker. Bonnie and Clyde. Is Clyde your, Barrow yeah. and Bonnie Parker. I think yeah, so. I think, yeah. I think that's right. Well, but, yeah. Correct but, us on the Facebook page yeah, for the dinner party show. You get the if, idea. Yeah, totally. You get my point. She just is like, wow, that's kind of like out of left field. Yeah. And they're sort of, you know, romanticizing of it is like putting together fire and gasoline that the mm-hmm. two of them inspired each other into this criminal. And it's like, well, okay, sure. But yeah. wow. Like, mm-hmm. Was were they married when he was in prison and slit that guy's throat? I think he seems like kind of a or when he broke into wherever yeah. and stole what like it seems like mm, mm-hmm. like the whole marriage thing is like really when it did was, that happen? It was a, maybe more of a strategic partnership. You it know? seems something else yeah. was happening, and I'm yeah. not sure what it was, but I I feel like there's more to this story than was being presented. Like you know, was this. Yeah a marriage of convenience to get her religious parents off her back about her preferences Mm, mm -hmm. and his, you know, cover story to get his hands on cash to find the confirmation surgery that he wanted or whatever it was. There was bad decisions being made by people who were occasionally brilliant and always just the most, the worst possible choices of, for everything. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, they didn't seem like desperate people, but they did desperate things. I'm never, the anchor story is never going to leave my head. It's yeah. one of the hazards of talking about stories like this. It's like, yeah. Yeah, that's just, that's so, that's so unbelievably horrific. There was a, there was a, a I think it was Oklahoma. Maybe it was Missouri. I don't know. They were making an effort to continue to, have the death penalty in the state and they had this terrible they couldn't get the drugs that they needed mm-hmm. so they substituted other drugs and mm. it was this brutal um assassination you know mm-hmm. this brutal um death penalty application the guy didn't die right away and was mm-hmm. clearly in pain it was and then i heard the description of the crime mm. where he had beaten this young woman almost to death and then buried her alive and she died, whatever. And I thought, well, if it was going to happen to somebody, mm-hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah. but yeah, like it seems like, like bang. Okay. Like maybe, mm-hmm. but like to think of somebody suffering that way, yeah. I don't know how you could do it and ever be right again. I don't either. And I think the answer is they aren't. They aren't right. I don't again. think they were right to begin with. Yeah. And that's the the thing that makes the story more interesting Absolutely. for me. All right. All right. Next week, wow. we're doing something. We're not doing, we're taking a break from true crime So next we're leaving week. the beach and the sea. We're leaving the beach and the sea. And we're going into the sky. Outer space. 
Police, we're going to bring back What Science. We haven't done a What Science, and I've rumor this probably going to have to deal with Jordan Ampersand next week. It's a contractual thing, but you'll be fine. You'll get you'll do it. You always handle him so well. Um, uh, the show we're going to be talking about is episode one of a documentary series on Showtime called UFO. Really easy to remember. UFO episode one, Showtime streamable on Showtime anytime. JJ Abrams, JJ Abrams, Bad Robot, yeah, those exactly. people brought to you by them. And it's uh, yeah, there was just a. There's been a lot in the press lately about okay, we're actually going to start investigating this, and we were like, oh, all yeah. right, well. You know, what's going on with that? And we wanted to, this looked like uh, a show that would be more about that than, mm -hmm. you know, the woo-woo side yeah. of this. Um, so um, so next week we will be woo-woo free. <laughs> woo-woo free, a life goal of mine since right. I was a young boy. The truth, boy. it's next week. It's not just out there, it's next week. The truth is out there next week. Absolutely. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.